Here we go around the world in 80 days. No, in less than 80 days. In fact, we're not going to go around the world. We're going to record a podcast instead, a podcast where two people in their mid to late 30s talk about a television show that hasn't been on the air for 20 years. Why? Why do they do it? Why would they do it? Why wouldn't they do it? What else are they going to do with their time? We hope that you enjoy listening because you're about to enter the Mad About Mad About You Zone. That was very good. Oh, well, good. I didn't even puncture it with anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm feeling very vulnerable about it right now. Well, I was just thinking you that didn't... there's a basket full of disappointed explorers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I thought we were going to go around the world. <laughs> I chartered a balloon. I quit my job. I said goodbye to my wife and children. <laughs> and now, now I'm watching a sitcom. Yeah, I optioned a book. Jules Verne is writing a book. <laughs> uh, for any of you intrepid explorers out there, we do apologize. This is just Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. And my name is Russ Fader. In my, and you know it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you cut out. That's why I didn't know if you were done. Oh, <laughs> now I know. <laughs> and my name is. Jonathan Marbley. Yes. Ooh, that's very formal of, of you. the National Geographic Explorer Society. <laughs> I like your monocle, Jonathan. Thank you. I like your hat. Oh, the top hat? The safari hat. Oh, the safari hat I have on top of my top hat. Yeah. I yeah. don't like the top hat much at all. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it's since redundant I'm an explorer. and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to stick up. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> How you doing, John? I'm wearing glasses under this monocle. <laughs> sure. Speaking of redundancies. I'm fine. Let's see. Oh, what happened to me this week? Oh, I did something very in character for me. Oh, yeah. What's that? I went to a lovely little theater called the Triad Theater in New York City on the Upper West Side. Great. On the second floor of a Middle Eastern restaurant. And I watched two 90-year-old men named the Fabulous Finkel Brothers... <laughs> <laughs> one a famous xylophonist and one a pianist do a one hour show, including rapping Santana. And if you haven't seen two old men in bow ties and sport jackets go, it's a hot one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you haven't lived, baby. It was one I, of the greatest I... shows I've seen. <laughs> they were amazing. Have you ever watched a xylophonist work? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it something? Yeah, it's really cool. You know, the mallet's got to whack the key, like, right on. Yeah. That's yeah, hard. And they've got four of them. Yeah. The, your oh, was probably, was you've he playing that? four? Yeah. Yeah, when they have yeah, two, two in each hand. hand. Yeah. yeah well, I, I had no idea you were so cultured. Yes. I've seen it in orchestras or in smaller ensembles and stuff. It's really cool. Either xylophone or marimba. Yeah, it's amazing. Any and all. Yeah. He's 90. Keyboard instruments like that are really neat. He's the great Yiddish actor, Five-ish Finkels. They're his sons. Oh, my gosh. Of course they are. Yeah. And, of course, Five-ish Finkels' sons are 90. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how old they are. Their father that has is... a star on the Yiddish Walk of Fame in the East Village. Yeah. <laughs> From Boston Common, I remember him. No, I'm sorry. Five-ish Finkel? Boston Public, not Boston Common. Yes, you're right. He was on Boston. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah. Also, the length of his career? Yeah, that is all I know him from. I know that he was a big Yiddish actor, but for me, it was just like, oh, the guy from Boston Public is a great Yiddish actor? Oh, my favorite is him and Yiddish Schmaltz from 1907. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you want to hear my impression of every episode of Boston Public? Yeah. This is my Chai McBride, okay? I'm only going to tell you this one time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, but that seems funny. Whether it was a teacher or a student, uh -huh. he was the principal, and somebody was out of line, and he needed to put them in their place. I'm only going to tell you this one time. <laughs> he never repeated himself? <laughs> no, that's right. He never. The only line he said more than once was, I'm only going to tell you this one time. That's called irony. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> 
I saw that you saw the fabulous Finkel Brothers. And if I'm not mistaken, you also went and saw another concert. Am I wrong? Yeah, I took my girlfriend to the fabulous Finkel Brothers, and she took me to some kind of rock concert. <laughs> <laughs> At the Bowery Ballroom. You sound 180 years old. Yeah, I'm playing Woody Allen and Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. (laughs) How can you live? They sound like they want to stab their mothers. (laughs) Frightened Rabbit. Do you know them? I'm guessing you do. I have heard of Frightened Rabbit, yeah. You'd love them, I think. Probably. I've never heard their music. They played, it was a 10th anniversary of this big album. I guess it's their best album, maybe. Sure. I forget. It's called like Organ Grinder or Midnight Organ Parade or something. I don't know. So they played okay. the full album in order. Great. For the anniversary. That's fun, yeah. And it was a lot of, you know, for me, it was the first time. And uh-huh. everyone was having a ball. Rate the two concerts. Unless it'll get you into trouble. It won't. She knows. She okay. knows where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fabulous Fickle Brothers are fabulous. And Frightened Rabbit was great. It's right there in the name. But, you know. <laughs> fabulous Finkel Brothers are fabulous. And Frightened Rabbit frightened me. A little. I should have Some of their fans did. Sure. <laughs> it's a breakup album. And it's very... There are a few songs okay. that are incredibly depressing, but very yeah. beautiful songs. Yeah, sure. Understood. Anywho. Well, lovely. How about you? It was nice. I had a good week. It was my birthday. My birthday was yesterday. That's our first Mad About Mad About You birthday. I can't be. How could I? No, <laughs> we've been doing this for over a year. Yeah. The first right. time we're talking about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It was He's a, only going to tell fun... you this one time. I'm only going to tell you this one time. Yeah, I had a lovely time. I saw some family this weekend. I saw friends doing my show on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Jen and I had dinner. Watched a lot of Game of Thrones, which is a thing I'm oh, doing now. Good for you. It's pretty great. Not. Ooh. Oh, my goodness, John. I thought you were being genuine, and then you no, flipped it. I can't. You switched it's my expectations. So boring. Oh, my goodness. You it's think so? It's so boring. I've only watched one. I watched this past season finale. I don't think that's the best jumping Yeah, I off love point. everyone's advice. I don't think that's the best. <laughs> oh, it's a very good show. Unfortunately, many of the episodes are very boring, so, you know, <laughs> there's only two good ones. If you watch those two, you'll like the bad ones. But you got to start with the good ones before you watch the bad ones, okay? Because the bad ones become good if you've seen the good ones. Were you I mean, confused? they're all good, but most of them are bad. That's very funny and ridiculous. <laughs> I just can't get into the dragons and the kingdoms and, you know, I don't care. Sure, yes. You are not much a fantasy person. I'm not, I mean, my God, Gangs of New York was almost too fantasy for me. <laughs> oh, that got me. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, now you know what it's like to be me laughing yeah. at you all the time. <laughs> Suddenly you tapped into how ridiculous of a person you are. <laughs> That's it, right? That's it. That's it. Cool. This is episode 47 of Mad About Mad About You. We are talking about season three. Guys, episode we made it. One. Season three. Pour yourself a glass of champagne or Ooh. whiskey or Coke or. Uh... Diet Coke or water. What are some other beverages? Uh, an egg cream. Make yourself a little egg cream and hurry I back. I knew you were going to say egg cream. Uh, I had egg cream in my head, too. Of course. And if we were playing Mind Meld, the improv warm-up the game. Famous improv warm-up game. We both would have said egg cream at the same time. That's true. Uh, I'm <laughs> celebrating with a little Diet Pepsi. Great. Yeah. It's funny because we, it's been, a, what, two weeks since we've recorded an episode, yeah. roughly? Yeah. We took a week off to recoup and that's it, it feels like we also took a summer break, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't remember weird? what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing, but uh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, let's get back to it. Wow. I'm psyched to see yeah, what's I'm new. I'm refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you pop in a new disc. In the yeah. old DVD thing, and all of a sudden the menus are different, uh-huh. and the layout is different, the photos are different. Little inside info, mm-hmm. I never used the DVD on the DVD player. I ripped really? them onto my hard drive, and I only watched the raw episode. Oh, wow. But I'm in a moving phase right now, and I've lost track of my CD-ROM drive. So I had to watch this on a TV with a DVD player, and it was sort of fun. Yeah. that's. <laughs> Here's another fun fact kind about the cheapy menus on there. <laughs> Yeah, very cheapy. And the, you know what? The picture quality for this episode was way down compared to the oh, first Oh, interesting. I don't know why, but it was. For those of you who haven't been watching, we've made it to a very big deal all along. Yeah, that's a sentence, right? <laughs> we've made it to a very big deal. <laughs> and here's the deal. Here's the big deal to which we have made it. Season three is available for purchase 
on iTunes. Oh. So it's 15 bucks. 15 bucks. You could buy the whole series for 30. Yep. On a DVD. Yeah. On DVDs. Oh, people don't have this DVD players. Yep. Oh, brother. This you can watch. Can everyone just slow down evolving so quickly with the technology? <laughs> this you can watch. You download it and you can watch it on the train. You can watch it on your phone, wherever you like. That's beautiful. So now is literally the best time to jump into the show and the podcast that we've had yet. That's less than a bucket episode, Russ. That's a what a yeah. steal. It's a steal of a deal if ever there was one. Also, should we make our announcement? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. We have a little announcement. Russ and I are going to be moving Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> I'm making it sound like a big deal. Instead of a weekly episode, we're going to be doing it every other week. Yeah. Because it, every, yeah. we found it to be incredibly time-consuming and extremely yeah. draining. Yeah, this takes a good amount of energy to do. Yeah. And we think letting it breathe a little will be good for all of us. It's, uh, look, it's a marathon, can, not a sprint. How can you miss us if we don't go away? So... <laughs> <laughs> And we also have to fill the off weeks when we can with minisodes, which allow us to explore tangents more richly and fully, which, as we know, is the only reason I'm doing this stupid thing. There you go. So I live so for yeah, tangents. Live for them, baby. So, yeah, you'll be hearing from us every other week. And it's going to be great. It's still going to be great. And also, it means that you'll get more of us in the long run because we just doubled our... <laughs> our longevity. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> This has suddenly become a six-year commitment. That's the fountain of youth. Yeah. <laughs> so here's to... Six more next, years. Here's to the next two presidential elections together, everybody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Cool. So, yeah, season three, episode one is called Escape from New York. It premiered on September 22nd, 1994. What is the synopsis for this, John? The Buckmans plan to borrow Fran's car and hit the road, but doing a favor leads to delays. Exquisite. Yeah. I mean, there's some flourishes in there, but I think that's fine. They've stepped their game up, too. You get a little bit of everything. Well, let's see how weak two is. Sure, sure. That's fair. That, that being said, look. This guy could have spent out all summer on this. That's true. That's true. You know, it's like when musicians, you know, there's a saying about music where it's like you get your entire life to write your debut album, uh-huh. and then you get two years uh, to write your second that's album. Awful and true. And yeah, so we'll see how week two goes for this young TV guide writer. Yeah, 100%. if he gets this, if he suffers from the sophomore slump. I mean, he could have done this template in June. The Buckman's <laughs> blank, but doing a blank leads to blank. Leads to. Bl- and he's like, I got it. I cracked it. You know what he's doing? He's playing Mad, Mad Libs about, about Ma- you. Wait, what'd you say? He's playing Mad Libs about you. I was going to make a Mad About You pun with Mad Libs. <laughs> like what I did? Yeah, but you just said Mad Libs. Yeah, Mad Libs about you. I worked it into. I, Mad that's Libs that. about you. Yes, John. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> I didn't have a better one. I don't have a better one. I'm I'm furious that that did not get more out of you. Oh, it got a oh. it got a hearty. I don't have a better one. So. <laughs> 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 if you want more, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Russ, uh, what was. I'm so. Boy, I'm so sick of it's reruns. Okay. What is finally on TV again after this long summer? You're watching NBC. Well, John, literally, this is a cliche thing to say. The question isn't what was on TV. The question is what wasn't, wasn't on, on TV. TV. Okay. Because we're going to mix things up a little bit this week. Okay. Because this is actually an historic evening of television. No. Yes. Okay. Because this is September 22nd, 1994. Yeah. This is a Thursday. Mad About You remains on Thursday. Oh, baby. And I just want a million dollars. Right? What are you doing? That's Chandler when Rachel runs in the Central Perk. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. That's yeah, where we're going, right. isn't it? That's where you're going. This is the premiere of Friends. This is the premiere of Friends. That's amazing that... that What's her name? <laughs> Jennifer Kudrow. Aniston. Lisa oh, yeah. Kudrow. Big night for her. Big night. Crazy big night. Huge babe. Huge, wow. huge night, baby. Yeah. So this is the premiere of Friends. And, and the better show of the yeah. two. The single guy. No. No, that's yet. 96. Sorry. That's next year. Oh, 95? Yeah. 
Okay, let's see. I have no idea then. So the evening went. Mad about you at eight. Friends at eight thirty. Really? Yep. Interesting. Mad about you at eight. Friends at eight thirty. Seinfeld at nine. Frasier nine thirty. Nope. They moved Wings and Frasier to Tuesday Tuesdays, nights. where Mad About You will end up eventually. Yeah. Yes. But nine thirty was Dabney Coleman. Do you know the show? No, I know that name. Dabney Coleman in Madman of the People. Oy. Yeah. <laughs> How long did this one last? Sixteen episodes. Wait, one is season. that why it's a, it's historic because of Friends, right? Well, it's doubly historic really? because that was on at nine thirty. You know, it was on at ten. <gasps> The greatest hour-long TV drama ever made. Mm-hmm. ER was on. And so this was, I thought... But it's a two-hour th- pilot. That's the thing. I thought that it was the first episode. It wasn't. But I did a little bit of reading. Uh-huh. The first episode they aired... The first episode they aired on Sunday, I think. Mm. Yeah, Sunday night. They did a two-hour premiere. Yep. It's great. On, if anyone it, hasn't no, you know seen what? it, it's great. I think it may have been Tuesday, not Sunday. Okay. So they did a huge premiere of ER, and then later in the week, they had Episode ER two. at 10 o'clock. That's yeah. beautiful. And That's so, Warren yeah, Littlefield was, right there. Well, I read, yeah. I read, There's a, you're going to lose your mind for this, John. This is so far my favorite episode. Yeah. There's an article on Vulture.com uh-huh. from September 4th. 2014. It's called The Architects of NBC's Classic Must-See Lineup Reveal How Friends and ER Became Legends. Uh, let me guess. Warren's in there. Warren, it's an oral history. Not oral history. It's an interview, uh-huh. like I just said. With, yeah, Warren Littlefield. Who else? And what is his name? I feel terrible. Preston Beckman. Ah, okay. I don't know his name either. He's the uh, former NBC scheduling guy. Yeah, why would and he we works know at that Fox name? now. And yeah, they talk about how they came to the decisions and the lineup and how oh, it all what played a great out. Great article. I must it's 10 pages and I ate it up. You're scooping me. Yeah. And they were like, anybody right now, the year before, the comedy block was Mad About You, Wings, Seinfeld, Frazier. And Warren Littlefield's like, that's your must see TV lineup. That's bulletproof. Don't mess with this. Yeah. And then they decided to branch out and plug other things in. And they said that the Friends pilot kind of tested medium. Uh-huh. And Mad Men of the People was a little bit more adult, so they put it at 9.30. Interesting. And with Friends, they were just like, everybody's really funny and everybody's really attractive. So great. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. And with ER, they were just like, it's so funny because a lot of the article, they're like, you never know. You never know with these things. Nobody ever knows. You can put all these things together and it still sure. won't work. Sure. And then they're like, yeah, but with ER, we knew. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. Interesting. They knew, but also they weren't sure because here's the thing. I think we're going to wind up talking in greater depth. This is like an overture for at least the first six or so episodes. uh, Let's do it forever. Yeah. I want to go deep. We spend a lot of time talking. I love talking about bad shows. There are no bad shows on this night, and it's too big to talk about. Time to talk about the good shows. So up against ER, if you remember, Mm -hmm. the same time. I have no idea. Was Chicago Hope. Oh, yes, that's right. Another David E. Kelly. Yes, yes. And they weren't sure how it was going to go. I'm only going to remove this kidney once. (laughs) He said it every episode. Mandy (laughs) Patinkin, every episode. Yeah, guys, like, I'm out of kidneys. (laughs) Yeah, and then the show got canceled. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they were like, yeah, ER is, you know, they were like, Chicago Hope is a fine show, but it ain't ER. And they also pointed out, yes. ER's grounded. Chicago Hope's playful and kooky. Yeah. And they even said they were like, it's a medical show, ER, but it also got classified as like an action show. Oh, interesting. You know, there's There's a lot of doors being pushed open. Doors, jargon, everything is high stakes all the time. Incredibly intense and impressive and innovative camera moves. Oh, absolutely. Have you ever watched behind the scenes? I think I have, yeah. It's, it's so complex. It's, it's shocking that they were able yeah. to even make one. Yeah. They also point out that Friends early on got lumped in with all these other Gen X targeted sitcoms. Ah. Like a show called Wild Oats. <laughs> is that about a bunch so of you, hippies? I'm not even sure what it is. I forget, I, I didn't look it up. I meant to. Well, I'll probably cover it later on. Sure. There was a headline in USA Today that said NBC's Friends and Fox's sex crazed Wild Oats pander to Generation X singles. Reality bites with gingivitis. Whoa. All right. That's, That's a pretty great harsh. And yeah, one of those shows is Wild Oats and the other show is Friends. Yeah. So 
So chill out, smartass. Way to go, critic. Yeah. They talk a little bit about Mad About You and about how thinking about moving Mad About You off Thursday night was, as they put it, ballsy. <laughs> but they were like, you had just airlifted Fraser and Wings from Thursday to Tuesday and it worked. And you more than made up for it on Thursdays with friends in ER. And later on, they moved Mad About You from Thursdays to Sundays. And what? The, yeah, it's the first move. And they thought, we're just going to conquer. We were just going to conquer the schedule with comedy. They had 18 comedies going at one time. That's amazing. Isn't that nuts? Oh, what um, a golden age. Pretty cool. And yeah, they talked about the, the whole thing with ER versus Chicago Hope. There were numbers in here. Where are the numbers? They're unbelievable. Yeah, they both they both shot in different directions, they say. The first week, Seinfeld came in at number two. ER was number 12. Mad Men of the People was also number 12. I think that's a wow. typo or something. Mad About You finished number 14, and Friends was number 15. What happened the next week? They both shot in different directions. Chicago Hope took a big dip, and we just blew him out of the water. And Warren Littlefield, upon that, he's like, the second week, literally, chills went up my spine. In week two, they just buried him in week two. Week two, ER climbed to a 17.6, while Chicago Hope collapsed to a 9.6, also finishing behind ABC's 9.9 rating for Primetime Live. Wow. They just devastated them. That's and they, great. They never came back from those first two weeks. They were done by like a month in. They switched to Monday nights. Wow. Did. They truly won the war. Wow. They did. Listen, if anyone wants to do a real deep dive on the chairman of NBC, Warren Littlefield, there's yeah. a great, we've talked about it before, the podcast Industry Standard. This is mm. by Barry Katz. He interviews nice. Warren Littlefield for... Oh, I didn't know he was on it. Well over an hour, maybe two. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you really get into it. Two-hour podcast, that sounds ridiculous and indulgent. I know. About a guy <laughs> whose career has spanned uh, decades. It's insane. <laughs> two-hour podcaster for 22-minute comedies, and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that sets the scene for right now that lays the groundwork i love it for the coming few months it's your opus yeah i like that this is energizing me yeah <laughs> and we're me still too. gonna get to, we're still gonna get to talk about bad shows because they uh they come and go but uh so yeah how fun and refreshing super totally cool so tell me about what was in the news from wnbc tv this is news for new york with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. This is by Michael T. Kaufman, September 17, 1994. We don't credit journalists enough. I'm going to start That's doing true. that. I love it. About New York. I think almost every story I grabbed is about New York because it's such a great column and I had three months of news to go through. Ray's Pizza, <laughs> now called Infamous. <laughs> so for those who don't know, there's a pizza. Well, you wouldn't call it a chain. There are many different pizzerias. Right. Titled Ray's Pizza with yes. modifiers. So sure. like original Ray's Pizza, Ray's Original Pizza, famous Ray's Original Pizza. Yeah. And now infamous, quote. more. It's more than famous. Yeah. It's right. infamous. <laughs> That's a Three Amigos joke. Oh, very nice. <laughs> directed by, oh, what's his name? It doesn't matter. I can't remember who uh, directed it, but Lauren Michaels and Randy Newman co-wrote. Oh, which I forgot that. Randy yeah. Newman. Yeah. The singer? Yep. He's also the voice of the singing. You got a friend in me? Yeah. He's also the voice of the singing bush. Wow, that's some great trivia there, Russ. Yeah, pretty cool. Back to my damn story. Please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Quote, it's got nothing to do with us, said Frank, the man behind the counter at the one and only famous Rays of Greenwich Village at 11th Street and Avenue of the Americas. He was responding to questions about the headlines describing the arrest of 79 people charged with being in an international drug ring operating from famous original race pizzeria at 686 3rd Avenue. Quote, no kidding, said Harry, the counterman at world famous race pizza on Avenue <laughs> the Americas at 17th Street. Must have been some other Ray. There's more Ray's selling pizza than there are docs playing cards. Also, what is that expression? I don't know. That's very weird. What docs a strange playing thing to say. cards? Well, docs. Like docs, dogs playing docs, D- like doctors, I guess. D O C S. Yeah, I don't know. 
It's funny that I'm like, I had an explanation for dogs yeah, like playing dogs cards. Yeah, like dogs playing poker? I, I, yeah, yeah, but dogs playing cards. I, no, look, look, look. Dogs play cards. Doctors <laughs> do not play cards. <laughs> it's a dog thing. Yeah, but shouldn't the doctors be doctoring? Yes. <laughs> no, but when? They've got no time. They're playing cards all the time. <laughs> At his Columbus Avenue pizzeria, Rosalino Mangiano, that's not how you it's spelled. Mangiano. <laughs> was clearly shaken. Rosalino Mangano is the original and famous Rosalino. He is the man who, by his own account, put the Ray in pizza. Before he ran his first pizzeria in 1964, there were Vinnie's and Johnny's and Carmine's. He was, he has insisted, the only Ray who mattered. The famous Ray. The original Ray. The famous original Ray and famous original Ray's pizza. And he had gone to court to protect the claim against what he contended were just a bunch of rays come lately. Wow. But after what he saw on television on the news Thursday, he was really upset. <laughs> well, I felt sick, said the stocky pizza maker at his flagship pizzeria. My head hurt. What he had seen <laughs> was his very own original famous Ray logo. Above the store where the drug ring was said to operate. Quote, oh boy, I could not sleep at all night. Oh no. I think to myself, I know that's not really my store. But what are other people going to think? Oh boy. <laughs> Agatha Mangano, one of Mr. Mangano's daughters, who like many of his relatives manage a famous original raise. In her case, the one at 22nd and 9th said, quote, yes, you know that the store where they made those arrests was not really ours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this whole article, it's just a farce. All of a sudden, everybody's passing the buck, huh? It's the play where everyone has the same name, <laughs> and one of them's up to yeah. no good. Well, it's Goodfellas. Is it? Well, this is my nephew, Paul. Oh, yeah. And this is Paul, Petey. Paulie. And this is Paulie. That's right. And this is Pete. And this is Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Mangano said the family's already decided to strip the Third Avenue store of its right to identify itself as famous original Ray's Pizzeria, adding that it's just waiting for word from the FBI. But on Friday, the name and the crest were on display as slices were being sold by a counterman, who, when asked about the status of the shop, replied, quote, I do not have anything to say, and I want that you should leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good quote from the 90s in New York, you know? Oh, man. When they talked like the cartoons still. That's so good. That's so good, John. Listen to this one. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Also Michael T. Kaufman, May 28, 1994. About New York, repaving the paths of his life. Nick Corciari, who hated being a banker, loves fixing potholes and repaving streets for the City Department of Transportation. Quote, Wow. It's the greatest job, said Mr. Corciari, who was once an assistant vice president with an expense account for Citibank. Holy cow. Isn't it unbelievable? He says the best thing is the guys. We're like a sports team. We like each other. We visit each other's homes. We go to ball games together. I may only be an assistant highway repairer. That's my title with a salary of 29 grand a year. But I can't wait to go to work. And I never felt that way at the bank. Wow. <laughs> I, can you believe this? No. I love So it keeps going. He's making, you know, he worked his way up. He becomes vice president or whatever at a, of a, whatever. Yeah. What did it say? Capital bank. Chase. Citibank. Yeah, Citibank. Uh, he was making 45 grand. He said he's making a good salary, maybe 45 grand. Had four little kids, had the mortgage. And he's saying he has to quit because he doesn't like what the job's doing to him. This is his wife talking. He told me if mm -hmm. he stayed, he would only make himself and the rest of us miserable. Mr. Corciari's parents and in-laws <laughs> were also uh, yeah. alarmed by this decision. Sure. And only his, I get it. Yeah. And only his best friend, Ray. <laughs> no, wait. How deep does this thing go, Connect John? the dots. Follow the slices. <laughs> Who was born next door to Mr. Corciari in Williamsburg seemed to understand. Quote, Ray agreed I should quit. And after I did, the two of us started a shirt business. <laughs> a sweatshop, really. Yada, um... yada, yada. That went under. Oh, and then he bought horses. There was a time when the two friends even bought shares in racehorses. Mr. Corciari proudly keeps photographs of the horses in his den, next to pictures of his children. Wow. <laughs> On equal footing, I guess. <laughs> anyway, that's all the fun little details. He's happy. Good for him. And that's he, really something. Yeah, he fills potholes. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, 
our cable was out. Yeah, our satellite was out. Uh-huh. And the satellite repair guy came. The weather happened to be nice that day. And so he's like, he's going outside and he's doing stuff. He's on our roof. He's checking. He's repairing. Replace. I was like, this guy's working with his hand. He's outside. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll be a TV repair <laughs> guy. This guy's got it all figured out. <laughs> the pros are a lot like, different, Russ. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to try and blow. Th- there were so many good ones. It's so hard, Russ. This one has a must-see TV angle. Dateline. Great. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. This is by John Kiffner on July 20th, 1994, about New York, on ridding the jungle of its louts. Now, tell me if this name rings a bell. Malcolm Getz. Yeah, from Carolina in the City. That's right. Didn't start out intending to be a criminal. Tall, good-looking guy, maybe a bit wild sometimes. Blah, 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 Yale, drama school. He was the lead in Merrily We Roll Along, Two Gentlemen of Verona, was, and Shakespeare in the Park. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that, actually. I, I think I remember I, I remember. I remember reading the name. I, never, I don't think I connected the dots. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. But there was always a dark side, too. He was irresistibly drawn to the streets. So maybe it was inevitable that the police came knocking at his door in the East Village a few days ago, ready to arrest and cuff him. Malcolm Getz had ridden a bicycle in Washington Square Park. Basically, part of the whole Giuliani crackdown, uh-huh. where there were all these little quality of life yeah. laws, and everyone was getting, like, it was. It became incredibly strict if you peed in public, which right. yeah, I guess you should get arrested. Rode bikes through the park, played your music too loudly. You know, the whole yeah. broken window theory broken of just windows, yeah. justice. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Getz got arrested along with everyone else. Wow. Yeah. Holy. And what was it for? Riding his bike. Through Washington Square Park. What a louse. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I don't think it's right that we actually give him any more airtime. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Dateline. We wipe our hands of you, Mr. Getz. <laughs> oh, we'll be back. <laughs> I yeah, think in about couple two years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Next year. Oh, 95? Yeah, along with Single Guy. Beautiful. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. This is by John Kiffner, July 2nd, 1994, about New York. Stay at home, SWB, eight. Oh, wait, sorry, I read it wrong. Stay at home, single white bear, eight, into fitness, seeks thrills. So the polar bear in the Central Park Zoo has a therapist. Big okay. deal. <laughs> Anybody who's a, anybody in Manhattan has a therapist to say nothing of a personal trainer, a nutritionist. What's this bear's problem? He swims too much. The polar oh, bear, boy. whose name is Gus, keeps on swimming in a tight little figure eight. Gracefully, I'm sorry, it. you have to stop because that's the best polar bear name I've ever heard. In uh, yeah, my life. Gus is very good. Oh, that's so good. I want to hang out with Gus the polar bear. I don't know how long they live, but you might be at the zoo still. I'll say hi. I'll go find yeah, I'll find the Central Gus. Park Zoo. Yeah. I'm going to look up Gus the polar bear. <laughs> Gracefully pushing off his artificial rock pile with a huge hind paw, languorously backstroking, then turning a neat diving flip by the underwater window. Guys, if you don't have a New York Times subscription, go get one. And these, <laughs> about New York is like the greatest column I've ever. I mean, the language in this story is unbelievable. It's really good. It's very good. Beautiful. Very vivid. So apparently, the bear is not meeting the zoo's criteria for quality of life. They're trying to mm-hmm. perfect his lifestyle. Everyone was very concerned about Gus at the zoo. Oh, actually, which is an official zoo anymore. I didn't know that. You know. Oh, well, now you do. Blah blah blah. I'll skip ahead because it gets a little boring. Okay. Uh, Then there are the two lady polar bears, Ida and Lily, who share 5,000 square feet of rocks and water. The zoo officials. Also good polar bear names. Yeah. I know. I wonder who's naming them, actually. I don't know. But somebody decided somebody's naming polar bears after their grandparents, and it's a great idea. I guess that's all they're doing. You're right. (laughs) Ida, Lily, and Gus? Yeah. You're right. Holy (laughs) moly. Some guys might just think this is a pretty good deal. But what are the stress of juggling two relationships? (laughs) And suppose they're kvetching him for, say, not cleaning up his nail clippings, which must be pretty big. Okay, this guy's stealing our thunder Uh, (laughs) This guy's too clever to read on air. (laughs) Cut the shtick, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, this is actually a very funny article. (laughs) So let's move. Okay, this is the final one. Okay. Dateline. Go ahead. By Jennifer Steinhauer. We've read her before. July 10, 1994. Hot dogs here. Hot dogs. Sound familiar, Russ? Okay. I think uh, Mr. Paul Buckman might want to make documentary about this guy. Oh, yeah? Oh, he's not the peanut guy. No, he's the hot dog guy. Oh, cool. At Yankee Stadium, there is hot dog etiquette. And Raymond Achetta or something has it down. Condiments? Strictly mustard. If someone orders two dogs... And that one at a time. A fistful of dogs looks sloppy, and the people don't appreciate it. And perhaps most important, the fan is always right. 
For the 33-year-old Mr. Achetta, whose real job is a public school special education teacher, selling dogs in the stands is something he has done with a sense of honor since 1976, just as his father, a subway conductor, and his grandfather, a plumber, did before him. Quote, I love to be a part of America's pastime, he said one night last week. You got your soccer tournament, your basketball, maybe your Rangers, he said. But, quote, baseball is America and America is baseball. Well, it's happening to me again, John. You talking about this guy and this job is flipping a switch in my head where I'm like, I'm going to be a cable guy by day (laughs) and sell hot dogs at the ballpark by night. This is perfect. Sounds like they'd be open to it. (laughs) Oh, and then it gets into the details of how. But it sounds very difficult to get into. You got to be a legacy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like Harvard. (laughs) <laughs> it gets into the details of uh, how the industry works. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I got a buddy who worked in this field as mm-hmm. a college kid. And it's like they're like barber chairs. Like So the vendors essentially borrow their first set of 36 hot dogs on credit really? from the concessionaire and then sell them for two seventy five dollars a piece. And then they take that money and go back to the commissary and buy more hot dogs. And then they wow. pay for the first set that they got on credit at the end of the night. Can you believe this? Wow. And then it's all commission. Huh. Depending on how much they hustle and on variables like the weather, vendors can earn as much as $200 a game. Okay. Hot dogs here. Hot dogs, he yells. There are plenty of bites. Quote, evening, sir. How you feeling? He asks as he dips his little fork into his bin. <laughs> his, that sounds demeaning. That- <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Quote, the napkin is important, he said. You wouldn't want to serve a fan something you wouldn't eat yourself. Occasionally, someone gives him a tip and he cries out, quote, Subway, as opposed to thank you. It is part of the private language shared by veteran sellers and fans, and it indicates that someone has just contributed to the vendor's car fare. Okay. Aww. I like that. That's a fun little crazy thing to do. Yeah. I'm not sure that anybody knows that. I think uh, these guys do. But these and guys do. that's it. This isn't like diner kitchen language, Mm-mm. you know, where it's... Yeah, when it's I was a waiter, own... we didn't yell Subway when someone loves a tip. Right? Yeah, this is something different. This is... I've gone to baseball games. I've tipped people before. If they yelled Subway, I'd be confused and scared. Yeah. That's not <laughs> a normal <laughs> thing. Yeah, like, is there one heading towards us? No. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be afraid of getting crushed in the stadium. You're right. He sold four World Series games in one playoff. Nice. It counts 1976 as his favorite year. I was 16. It was exciting to be here. But then again, 77 was great because we won. We had Reggie then. Who's he talking about, Russ? Reggie Jackson. Boom. I know. Oh, and here we get this nice little wrap up. There are only about 20 female vendors. But Mr. Achetta makes a point of mentioning the plurality of those who sell. Quote, a lot of us are college educated, he said. We come from all walks of life. We are all creeds, all colors. We don't get caught up with color here. We share a lot of morals. I love it. This is great. Yeah. The code of uh, hot dog vendors. He's the, the real ballpark. life vacky. Yeah, basically. That's really great. That's all the news. That's, fit. That's a summer's worth of news right there. boy, John. Well done. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's crack into an episode. Oh, baby. This one was directed by Jewish Steve Martin. (laughs) Remind me his name. David Steinberg. How did we get to Jewish Steve Martin? He has white hair and he's Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, more than that, though. He also wrote for the Smothers Brothers with Steve Martin. More than that, but mostly that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sure. Well, I was content not to name him. And then you said, I described him as that. And you said, that's his name. So ultimately, that's how we got to this. (laughs) Yeah. We got to it because I'm an idiot. There we go. (laughs) Uh, And it was written by Jeffrey Lane. Good old Mad About You writer. Am I wrong? Was was this not a co-write? Was it? Tell me. I think I thought that I saw that it was a... (laughs) Yeah. I thought I saw that it was... Danny Jacobson? Do, oh. Am I making that right? Am I making that up? Okay. You caught me. Full disclosure, I forgot to look. Okay. I was so thrown off by watching it on a DVD player. I didn't look at who wrote it. <laughs> I'm trying to read this on IMDb, but the IMDb writer credits are always complicated on a sitcom because there's a story editor, there's the sure. creators, sure. et cetera. So, okay. I don't know who the hell wrote it. Okay? <laughs> Thanks. <I'm> st- Great. <laughs> <sighs> I really... Woodward and Bernstein, do you on that one? <laughs> yeah, you did both. <laughs> I did both. <laughs> oh, man. So the cold open, 
we're at the kitchen table. It's breakfast. They're reading. They're both reading their own sections of the paper. And mm-hmm. Paul just keeps glancing over at Jamie's. I guess he wants to read whatever she's reading. So eventually she relents and gives him the paper. And yeah. then she starts reading the side of the cereal box. And then, because it's a joke, he looks over at the cereal box to see what that's about. And then we're out. <laughs> I like this bit a lot. It's do you do annoying things like this? I don't think so. Well, you I'm can't sure ask me. You got to ask my girlfriend. That's very true. I do nothing annoying. I'm perfect. <laughs> I do this sort of stuff all the time. Really? I'm sure I do. I do one thing that he does later a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. I remember, here's something about me, and this is too much stuff. I remember being in first grade and, like, drumming on my desk for a second or, like, tapping or doing some sort of musical annoyance and doing it for a while. And then the girl next to me saw that I was doing that, and she started doing it. And so I was just like, no, 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 stop. I told her to stop tapping her desk. (laughs) Well, she and was then stealing I continued tapping my desk. Wow, that is <laughs> like, some nerve. Like, yeah, just like you're not tapping your desk right, seven year old. <laughs> so that's like these two. And uh, I think as I was doing it, I was still like, Russ, this isn't nice. This isn't right. Clearly. I mean, you remember it for a reason. <laughs> yeah, not my finest hour. Hey, listen, you were six. I've been pretty great since then, though. <laughs> I was trying to think of what section Jamie could have... Like, I wouldn't expect them to often have a conflict over what they're reading. I would think she would go for politics and world affairs, and he would go for, like, the arts, you know? Sure, that's true. So my only assumption is it must have been, like, maybe the About New York section, you know, the New York region. Yeah. That's the only thing I could see them maybe wanting to share. Also, part of you is trying to tie the Buckmans into our show, right? Moving on. (laughs) They like what we like. They like our show. (laughs) These two drink so much juice. Yes, more than any other adults I know of. Yeah. They have two tumblers. (laughs) Full of OJ. Full of OJ. (laughs) And it's not the first time we've seen that. No, it is not. So we go to the first scene of the episode, the first real scene. The next morning, I gather, and uh, so Paul gets the paper, mm-hmm. and there's a takeout menu in it, and it's yes. Greek, and he says the word souvlaki, and mm-hmm. boy, is it great. What, when are they going to stop with these takeout menus? Like, I need souvlaki in this heat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never realized how much fun that word was to say. Oh, it's top-notch. It's one of the greatest English words. I've got news for you, John. <laughs> I mean, listen, it... <laughs> There has I to be don't some mean difference. To, there has to be I some difference. Mean, I don't mean to burst your bubble. <laughs> there has to be some difference between the way we pronounce it and the way they pronounce it. <laughs> You're saying we just pronounce it perfectly? <laughs> I, I, you immediately are backed into a corner on this. Or you're just like, no, no, don't you? No, I corner. know what I said. I'm fine. And I, I, <laughs> You walked into a glass window pane. I know what I said, and I know why I said it. <laughs> it's fun, though. Did you stand out to you? Say again? Did it stand out to you at all, or am I crazy? Uh, no, I mean, it's... Souvlaki. <laughs> if you are a fan of hearing Paul Reiser say and repeat words, then this is the episode for you, my good friend. Interesting. Because he's going to do it a lot. Oh, I see. Because he has a lot of lines, you mean? No, he repeats a lot of words in this episode a lot of times. Oh, I see. I see. I wish he repeated Souvlaki more. Yeah. But you see how that works? You get the Sue. It's like a roller coaster. The yeah, Sue you take a Vlaki. That's true. You see, it goes take, up yeah. slowly and then crashes down. You're right. But then ends you on t- a soft I. You take a Nua, which is good. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. And you put a Ma in, in front, front of it, it. Which is also good. Which is also good. Yeah, okay. Ma Nua. It's Every- really not that bad. Yeah, does everyone recognize that from Seinfeld? <laughs> we have Jason Alexander with us. Oh! <laughs> That's very good. Oh, so so this scene really sets this... The, you know, this show, especially for a multi-camp sitcom, really gives you the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The emotional, the physical. Like, we find out that it's suff- it's a suffocating Saturday or Sunday. It's a, it's a very hot weekend. It's the last weekend of the summer. So there's mm-hmm. anxiety about, like, the summer being over and it's back to yep. work. You know? There's a crushing heat wave in New York. Yes. And... They have an AC, which breaks, I think, later in this scene. Yeah. But they're suffering. They're sweating their yeah. brains off. Yeah. Nobody says that. I didn't want to say balls. <laughs> brains out, balls off. Nobody says yeah. brains out. 
What is it? Clear eyes, full hearts? Balls off, right? Well, no, then what? <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose. That would have been a great little tag to what you said. You're going to know all Brains about out, it. Balls what? off, can't lose. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> you're going to find out. You're going to become very familiar with it when we do Clear Oz, Full Hearts Can't Lose, our Friday Night Lights Oz crossover right. podcast that, that I'm planning. Two shows I haven't seen. For the year 2024. <laughs> <laughs> those will be once every six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So all those atmospheric things get set. And then we find out that Paul spent his summer directing a show called Mr. Science, mm-hmm. which... My brain went to Mr. Wizard. Yes. I believe that that is a takeoff of that. Yes, I assume the same. But then when yes. you hear it in the background, it sounds goofier. So then I was like, oh, maybe it's also a play on Bill Nye because that show had been sure. on the air for a year. Sure. I Could well it, be. I looked it up. Good job. And then we, I, yeah. I want you to play Mr. Science in the reboot very badly. Oh, I think that'd that, be a very boring job. <laughs> the voiceover. I would love to have you go oh. in. Oh, I see. I thought you meant in the reboot of Mr. Wizard. Oh, no, 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 no. You mean in the, the voiceover. Yes, I want you to, the voiceover and then some of Mad, uh, in when they do Mad About You. Well, here it is. Yeah. Welcome, boys and girls. For today's experiment, we will need a pound of bacon, a piece of cardboard, and an empty tuna can. Now, first, you take the bacon. <laughs> you believe this? A lantern, he makes some bacon fat. Tell me you don't want to hear John Marbley doing that. Yeah, tell Russ. Tweet at Russ. <laughs> There's a couple of these in this scene, a couple little MacGyver style. It's like the leftover MacGyver jokes from last week. Yeah. Got reborn as uh, Mr. Wizard jokes, Mr. Science jokes. (laughs) What is, did you understand what Paul said? Because I wrote, so the guy's like a pound of bacon, a piece of cardboard, and an empty tuna can. And Paul goes, a lamp he can make from brick Bacon fat. Bacon fat. Yes. Yeah. Also, it has that wonderful old Jewish speech pattern that I love. That's true. Subject, verb. No, wait. I don't know grammar well. You know what I'm saying. A lamp you can make from bric-a-brac? Yeah, it's a sentence. No, but you know, structurally, <laughs> it's different. Do you not know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, I think as far as like the inversion of, yes. yes, the placement of where yes. the subject and verbs are in the sentence is very Jewish sounding. Correct. Yes. Not Jewish yes. sounding and because it's a Jewish Speech pattern. Yes, and that speech pattern sounds a certain way. And what it sounds is pedantic. So <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> oh, so we also gather from this clip <laughs> that Paul is very dissatisfied with this job. Yes. So he's also at sea a little artistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a rough go for him. Jamie's telling him things like, it's only for now. Yeah, right. She's trying to be supportive. Yes. She's also trying to cool off with a popsicle. Yes. That bothered me. Well, what's she doing with the popsicle, John? She puts it on her wrist. She's probably just eating it, right? Nope. What's she do with it? She puts it on her wrist and her neck. It's a weird, gross thing to do, Jamie. Because popsicles are not ice. They're sugar water. (laughs) I'm like, I get it. And I guess it's funny, but also, ugh. yeah, it's then she gives it. It's also very funny because I'm like, she gives a piece. She then gives it to Paul to right, eat. So he licks her sweat. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no, don't do that, Paul. That's gross. You can kiss her mouth and her, 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 All her, right, her uh, you know, you go her, <laughs> you can kiss her neck and wrists, but don't eat an ice pop that have been placed on them that's disgusting (laughs) yeah that didn't even occur to me (laughs) okay so then oh so paul another trick they do at the end of it's the tag of this episode is paul invites jamie to come to the kitchen to cool off and he opens the fridge or freezer and takes out a pair of her underwear and Mm -hmm. has her put it on right in front of us too yes it was a little much there was no turning around there was no playing for the camera it was just I'm going to put these on. It was very grounded. (laughs) Yes. And he says that he learned that on Mr. Science, which is also weird. What the hell kind of a show is this? I think that's a joke. I think it's funny, but a little weird. (laughs) I think it probably, look, it must have been a joke, but it also, it didn't, for me. It didn't play. It didn't play as a joke. I watched it three times. Yes. Wow. (laughs) And the only, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that was on Mr. Science is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, it's weird. What's that? I was listening to Gary Marshall on the Industry Standard podcast today. Uh. 
And apparently, uh, Penny Marshall used to put his underwear in the freezer oh, yeah. as a prank when they were growing up. Sure. I've heard of that being a thing. That's funny. Yeah. So Penny and Gary also grew that's up how, on Mr. Science. <laughs> that's how old people entertain themselves. When they were kids, Russ, when they were kids. No, I'm saying, especially when they were kids. <laughs> so then... <laughs> well, tele- television hasn't been invented yet. You want to freeze our underwear? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> oh, so their air conditioning dies, so they go out to Riffs for lunch. Yes. So the next scene, we're at Riffs. We're on the patio. Yeah, we're eating outside at Riffs. Yeah, I assume, uh, I guess just because it's summer, but it seemed antithetical like, wouldn't they want to be where the AC is? Why is the door open? It's very confusing. They should you be know? eating inside. I but thought maybe yeah. it was too busy inside, but the doors are open. Yeah, I don't know. I so, don't know. It, hey, if you've walked down Broadway in Soho on a hot summer day, it's like the city's air conditioned because it's blowing yeah. so hard out of these places. That's true. I think it might be illegal now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think they're trying to crack down on that. Huh. I mean, it is a big waste. Yeah. But I love it. Ooh. <laughs> love it. You love a nice air-conditioned New York City street? Yeah. <laughs> if I was running the Truman Show dome, I would make sure the outside was air-conditioned. Oh, uh, when are you running for mayor? <laughs> I'll vote for you right now on that. <laughs> so they're at the patio. Oh, yeah, they ordered water for Murray, and she brings yes. it in a, an enormous punch bowl. Yes, very funny. Almost as if she didn't quite understand what it was for. She definitely didn't. She thought that it was for Paul. Yeah, yeah right, because she sits on the table. Yeah. For him. Oh, so Jamie plants some seeds that fill out the rest of the episode or they come mm-hmm. back around. She says that mm-hmm. Fran said that there's a great clam place that opened up around the corner. Yep. And this sends them down memory lane. Apparently, a few summers ago, probably before they were married, they just sort of were driving up the coast of the Jersey Shore and they happened mm-hmm. upon this magnificent clam joint in who doesn't love some good Jersey Shore clams? Hey, oh, the best. Are you joking? The best. Or not? Well, I'm... I am. But I know people love their <laughs> clams up here. Yeah, they do. Yeah. My girlfriend yeah. loves clams. And every time she says clams and steamers, I'm like, what am I dating? Like a 50-year-old guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> you got a lot of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Put the clams down. We have finkle tickets. We have finkle tickets, <laughs> you psychopath. <laughs> so they start talking. They can't remember what the name of this place is. And that's sort of a running gag throughout the episode, right? Like Stefano's, Boyd's. Boyd's was a funny one. Yes. Because it's definitely it, not Boyd's. Yeah. He comes up with Boyd's and Jamie says, like, you would ever get clams from a place called Boyd's. Which is so true. Very funny. Very funny. Yeah. Stefano's or Stefano's, Vito's. It's none of these names. Eduardo's. They have a fun time making a meal out of every word. All these names. Yeah. Oh, also, Paul shows some real initiative in this scene because Ursula forgets his iced tea and he sort of pulls a Jamie. He just walks over to the cart, gets his own glass. Yeah. Sees the iced tea pitcher, pours it himself. Yeah. Good on him. He's doing it himself. Yeah. Good for you, Paul. Good for you, Paul. (laughs) So, oh, so it occurs to Jamie, she could sort of talks Paul into it. She's like, this is what we should do today. We should borrow Fran's car Mm -hmm. and go find this joint again. Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm going back to school soon. You're looking for your, you're going to have a gig again soon. You know, last weekend of the summer, let's live it up. Yep. Next year at this point, I may be pregnant, so we got to make the most of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and Paul says, yeah, but you might not be pregnant, and then we'll go and have a nice day for nothing. Yeah. (laughs) it's. I guess that means it's uh, Labor Day weekend, maybe? I think so, yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of pressure on that day for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it is like your last shot. Yeah. Not really. I guess so. Especially because we get Indian summers a lot since the earth's melting. I remember a few years ago, Jen got me a coat, a winter coat for my birthday. So right around now, end of February. And I was just like, oh, I'm just sad because I'm only going to be able to use it for like another another week or two. And she's like, what are you talking about? It stays cold a very long time still. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. You, yeah, I'm like, but you, in my though, head, on the same. Yeah, way. in my in my head, I'm just like, oh, but it's March, and March goes in like a lion, but it comes out like a lamb. So that'll be that. And it's just like, hey, remember when it snowed in April? Like, you've got some time, Russ. 
I've never heard that goes in like a lion comes out like a lamb. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's depressing. Uh, well, it's the way we were taught. It's it's a thing that we were taught back in oh in elementary school. Elementary school, yes, it goes Those were in some like a lion comes times. out like a lamb. They really taught us a lot of cool stuff. They sure did. Yeah, all re- about re- lambs they, and lions. They taught us how to do a, a letter at the post office. Yeah, I wonder if they yes, still they do. do that. I'm sure they don't. They don't even teach cursive anymore. Ah, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I was always a print man. I know you are. You're a regular Woodward and Bernstein. (laughs) So the next scene, we're at Fran's building's garage. And Paul and Jamie are in her car. And she's, you know, sort of showing them all the buttons and gadgets and yep things and paul's gonna drive yep and fran's acting weird yes and we oh we get a great physical yes, comedy very bit. strange great physical comedy bit where paul reclines his seat all the way back and he can't get back up and jamie hits some release uh-huh. and he comes flying up and hits his head on the horn <laughs> i knew you'd like that i mean it's i'm like beautiful. this is right up john's alley yeah uh, uh we learn that yeah at that point jamie asks if Fran wants to join them, because why wouldn't she? Because do you know what Mark is doing this weekend? Yeah, Christina jumped at this. I missed it a little. Yeah, Ryan is reunited for the weekend with his father. Yeah. Mark Devenow. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. He finally acknowledged his son. (laughs) That he has... That he has a son. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope they're having fun. I don't. I hope he's getting chewed up. Yeah. That, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, Ryan for the weekend. <laughs> I hope he's going to a lot of birthday parties. <laughs> oh, man. So then we learn the reason she's being weird. Yes. Is friends working at Jamie's old job. Here's the clip. Sure. But when I left, it was your new job. Although now I guess that would make it your old new job and my old, old job. And I was really just playing with the idea. When are you going to go back? Last Monday. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? I thought you'd be upset since you got fired. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't get fired. I quit. That's what I said. No, you said I got fired. You didn't let me finish. (laughs) (laughs) What? Back at Ferrar Gans. Yeah, why? What's what's the big deal here? Like, I guess she should have told her or asked her, before, you know, maybe. But... It was Jamie's job. But she quit. And Jamie, yeah, and she quit because she was... Not respected. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was an ugly breakup. Yeah, but it's business. Yeah, which is why ultimately it's going to work out. In but that's why she's upset. Right. You know, let her, you know, she's trying to get yeah, back on her feet. She, yeah, she's going to. But I understand why she feels a little bit weird about it. I don't. I think Shavy should get over it. <laughs> I'm sure she will. Yeah, she she will. And probably by the next episode. By the next episode, she's not going to remember that she ever felt bad Fran about it. Fran won't even be working there anymore by the next episode. <laughs> Jamie's just so upset though you know? yeah she's really mad at her in the next scene in the car she's talking about how she's like stabbing her in the back yeah. and stuff yeah she's like she's stabbing the back and like left me on the side of the road to die or something or in a ditch yeah. or something like that yeah so the next scene we get a good old-fashioned rear projection driving uh-huh. scene we sure do driving slowly through manhattan i love it's not, it's not stop and go traffic it's just steady <laughs> 10 to 15 miles an hour. It's that steady, beautiful holiday traffic. (laughs) There's a guy who walks across the street, which is a nice touch. (laughs) Also, the cab behind them gets right on their butt for a while. Yep. Paul can't find the blinkers in the car, and he winds up setting off the alarm somehow. Which is weird, right? I don't think that can happen. Me neither. At first, I thought it was a siren. Yeah. And I was like, what, is Fran a cop? uh, Yeah. No, yeah, that's the car alarm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great impression of a car alarm. (laughs) Uh, And then we get more name brainstorming. It's Pepe's, Lupe's. Yeah. Of course, you know what I think when I hear Lupe. Why don't I know what you think when you hear Lupe? You know it's something that, like, you can feel it, right? You can feel the memory trying to work its way loose from your, from the confines of your. Yeah. Stupid, feeble brain. yeah, Yeah, sure. Was it a Seinfeld? It's probably yes, a Seinfeld. Yes, it's a Seinfeld. Oh, the 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 one tuck, one no tuck. That's right. The chambermaid in Los Angeles. It's now, Lupe. not Lupe's fault. You know what, Lupe? Make mine a no tuck. It's <laughs> a great show. <laughs> oh, so the the car phone rings. Of course they have a car phone. Of course they do. All Happy nineteen ninety four, everybody. Yeah, that's right. And excuse me, he's a doctor. She's a PR exec. It's true. And they have a car. 
and a parking yeah. space in Manhattan. How, oh my God. What did Mark say? Didn't he make $370,000 the previous year or something like that? That's right. Yeah. That's a so, lot of money. So he's doing okay. He can, he he sure can afford. Is. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. He earned it yeah. and then wasted it. Anyway. So Jamie assumes it's Fran because who else would be calling? Right. And the tag is it's Paul's mother, which is funny. Oof, oof. She tracked them down somehow. Didn't even know she was looking. <laughs> Paul says to Jamie, you know what you got to study? Not picking up the phone. And then we learned that, yeah, it's yeah. his mom. Hi, Ma. <laughs> Beautiful, elegant, passive tag. Very fun. Uh, so we cut, we cut yeah. to the apartment. Yes. Sylvia's apartment. Sylvia's apartment. We're back in the Buckman's apartment. Mm-hmm. Buckman Sr. Sylvia's first line is so great. I figured so long as you have a car, you should move my couch. Yeah, it's insane. Because also, that couch won't fit in that car. No. So I don't even understand how, I don't, how they did it, to be honest. None of it makes sense. None of it makes any sense. Because they do do it's it. It's the biggest couch. It's like nine or ten feet long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Because my old couch was very long. Yeah. It was at least eight feet, I think. And that couch looks longer. Yes. This is a basketball hoop covered in purple <laughs> in purple cushions basketball hoop yeah it's 10 feet tall so it's the empty space between the court and the hoop yeah that's right <laughs> yeah okay it's you the understand matter you understand exactly what i meant i do so quit laughing at me like i'm wrong i had to think about it though <laughs> language is about the communication of ideas right what are you talking about that's what the purpose of no, language I'm is joking i was making a joke <laughs> Yeah, so she wants to move the couch. Iris headed over to help. The couch is going to Lisa. Yeah, I love how Sylvia loves Lisa. Yeah, she loves Lisa. She's so nice, she says. It, it bothers Jamie so much. Of course. Oh, uh, and we find out that Sylvia and Bert, That's before they had air conditioning, used to drag their mattress out onto the fire escape. Yeah. Which is so That's cute. sweet. There's a I couple. Like that a lot. One of the, uh, you ever see Rear Window? Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window? No, I have not. Oh, Russ, you that's one that I haven't yourself. seen. Yeah, but, you know the whole the whole film, basically mm-hmm. the whole time they look out over a building courtyard, right? And one of the older couples sleeps on the oh, do they fire Aww. escape and they drag their mattress out there every night? I'm like, well, that sounds sweet, but I also know that there's a murder that's witnessed in that movie, so I hope it's not interesting. No, the murder is not witnessed. Oh, I got to see this movie, John. They don't know if the murder actually occurred. That's part of the mystery. He truly is the master of suspense. <laughs> you don't even know if it's a window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it faces front. You really got to see that. It's unbelievable. I believe it. They, sh- they I built- believe that it's unbelievable. They built the fake courtyard inside Paramount Soundstage. They removed oh, wow. floors of the basement so that they could submerge it and build up to the roof. Holy the cow. Fake building. It's amazing. Anywho. Oh, she wants to feed them. Yep. <laughs> they got what? Chicken. They have beautiful sliced chicken. Yes. Oh, that's such an uh, that's such a food adjective my grandma used to use too. My it's all mom, beautiful. My mom would offer. I've got nice cheese. Yeah, beautiful I've locks. Got, I've got nice salami. Mm-hmm. Everything was nice, and my friends would be like, because she's offering these to my friends. Yeah, and they'd just be like, nothing nice, please. <laughs> just like, do you have any evil cold cuts? Oh, yeah. Tell your smart-ass friends a knockoff. <laughs> I'll let my mom know you got her back. Yeah, you know what? Go starve then. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pack a lunch next time. <laughs> Ugh, I really don't like those friends of yours. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm honestly, I think I'm remembering now. I genuinely think that my friends would just laugh and say, it's very cute that your mother says nice all the time. And then I would punch it up with no evil food, mom. So I'm the monster in this That's busting nice my poor sweet mother's chops. Yeah, <laughs> it's also true. It's not nice of me to take the bullet. It was wrong of me to pin it on my friends. <laughs> so Iris shows up to move the couch and he's wearing an insane toupee. And Paul is so uncomfortable. It's amazingly funny. He. He can't even look at him. Yeah, he's like patting him on the chest and on the arm lightly, <laughs> and he's like looking around. He just doesn't no know No eye to contact. Do. Yeah. Oh, we find out Jamie's going to major in corporate finance. Yes, this is a big deal. Oh, my gosh. This exchange of lines is so funny because, yeah, it's Sylvia asks, when do you start classes? She says, 10 days. I think I'll be studying corporate finance. And then she says, I like the name Barbara for a girl. <laughs> 
I get it. So it is just very clear that she had no interest in actual Jamie. I just moved and I was, uh, my mother was texting me different furniture links from Macy's. Uh-huh. And she threw a baby crib in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a joke, but it also wasn't. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. It's a very funny joke <laughs> for a mother to do that. That's pretty good. But it's both. It's also very real. This oh, major surprised me. It seemed extremely boring. <laughs> you know? I was like, you quit your boring job to go study a boring subject? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm, that's what she likes. That is her mind. You're right. I know. It's not fair yeah. of me to... You're right. Yeah, Unless she's going to major in scheming and general mischief, then <laughs> it's going to have to be this. Oh, uh, Then she should go to law school. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Oh, then we find out this kid that Paul grew up with. Well, Paul, Paul and I are, are starting to move the couch out of the apartment. Right. And we only see Paul. I was off camera like holding the other end of the couch, which is also a recurring motif. Yes. This episode. Yes. Little Ricky Gold, mm -hmm. which sounds so similar to Little Ricky from I Love Lucy. It kept throwing me. <laughs> Directed. Not, not me. I knew that this was a different show <laughs> from I Love Lucy. <laughs> so I was able to keep them separate in my head. Uh, directed a movie called Perpetron. Yes. That sounds so stupid. It sounds so... It is... They should have walked over to the Seinfeld soundstage and said, hey, can we borrow a fake movie title? Yeah. Yeah. That may be a, a Larry David original. It is... The, oh, my God. Perpetron. And Paul <laughs> is so jealous, and I so get it. Oh, yeah. Yes. This little idiot is directing a huge movie. He didn't know what tuna salad was. Yeah, egg salad. Egg salad, yeah. Which is more egregious. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> and then we find out that Sylvia sent a tape of Mr. Science to little Ricky to, I guess, get Paul the job. But I didn't know Paul wanted to direct uh, scripted features. I don't think he does. I think it's just somebody else is successful in my field. Yeah. I don't like that at all. It is interesting to me, though, that he never... I feel like he would be open to it. No chance. I think we should send him the script. <laughs> Yeah, you think that Paul would be like, hey, you used to be my assistant and now you're making it bigger than I am and I'm struggling for work? Hey, here's my CV. Here's my reel. There's no way he's doing that. He's got too much pride. No, no, no. I'm saying I think he'd be interested in directing fiction. Oh. In general. I can yeah, see that. If the story was good enough. Yeah. <laughs> if he liked the story. You sound like his manager. All right. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring you some ideas and, you know, you share with him what you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we go to Lisa's lobby. I guess they were able to move the couch. Yep. And they're trying to load the couch in Elisa's elevator, which is an insane thing to try because it's, again, nine feet long and no elevators yep. that deep. And again, <laughs> we don't see Ira. He's just a voice. We only see Paul. And then we get a great, and I mean a great elevator joke. He's fine. He's got air conditioning in your mother's pot roast. Can't believe Ricky Gold. Let it go. Hey! You okay? It's gonna say Otis on my ass for the next three years. I didn't get it at first. Jen had to help me. Ah, me and Jen. <laughs> it's a good joke. Christina didn't get it either. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard Otis in other elevator jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said the pairing, but then I didn't know. What's the label for what this is? <laughs> I don't think we want to talk about it. Me and Jen get elevator references. <laughs> and you two don't. Oh, we find out Lisa's having her mailman over. That's like a little Lisa's crazy. Yeah. 